Hi everyone and welcome to one more episode of the O-Plane podcast where we talk with the movers and shakers that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. And as usual, before we start, I would like to remind you that all previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other aviation stories, are available on the O-Plane website. That's oplane.tv A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E .tv And by the way, you can also subscribe to the newsletter where I send also a compilation of aviation stories with a strong focus on sustainability and innovation. So, now let's go to today's episode. Because today's guest is Eric Lithon, founder and CEO of Elfly, or Elfly, if you pronounce it the Norwegian way. Elfly is a startup that is designing an all-electric seaplane. Eric is a successful software entrepreneur who, after selling his previous company, started to think about how could he contribute to making aviation cleaner. Eric is based in Bergen, in the fjordland of the west coast of Norway, a place where the sea and water are always present. So perhaps it shouldn't come as a surprise that the resulting project, Elfly, took the shape of a seaplane rather than a traditional conventional aircraft. And this is in fact not the first time that we've got seaplane entrepreneurs here on this podcast. And this is because this form of transportation is now going through um, a sort of renaissance, since new technological approaches and new materials are making of seaplanes an interesting proposition to sort out some of the challenges of regional air mobility. And they are doing so in a way that has sustainability at its very core. So today we're going to talk about this new generation seaplane that Eric and his team are designing. It's called Noemi short for no emissions, and we're going to go in detail about all these different features and why this could be really a game changer for regional air mobility in Norway, but also in other parts of the world. So without further ado, let me welcome Eric to the podcast to talk about this very exciting project, but also about the role that seaplanes can play in decarbonizing the aviation industry. Hello, Eric. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Miguel. Where are you joining us from today? Today I'm joining you from uh, rainy and cold Bergen in Norway on the west coast. The world capital of rain, I, as I heard uh, a native of the city once say. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We, I think the record is almost three months of rain in, in, in one period. Wow, non-stop. <laughs> yeah, ish. So, and it's, it's, it's not pouring, but it's raining every day. Yeah, yeah, beautiful place anyway, uh, because it's at the mouth of the Songe Fjord, which is one of the most beautiful fjords in Norway. Uh, amazing, beautiful landscape, just uh, where the the sea gets inland and is all surrounded by mountains. So I, I recommend everyone to to go visit Bergen, well, visit Norway, but uh, Songe Fjord in particular. And yeah, so it's an ideal setting, I think, to start a seaplane company because you are the founder and CEO of Elfly, uh, is a startup that is designing, developing an electric seaplane. Well, we'll talk about this, but first of all, I will, I will ask you to introduce yourself briefly on a personal level. Who are you? Uh, how you ended up designing electric seaplanes? Yeah, well, I'm, um, I'm almost 50 years old and uh, I've been doing most of my career in a computer company and computer tech. I started a very successful computer company with my Spanish friend, Manuel Fraga, and uh, we sold it uh, a year ago. Not the and politician, before, I guess. Not there the were, politician. He's not, a... He has the same name as a very famous <laughs> Spanish politician. He has problems with his name, but uh -huh. he's, he's not the same guy. Different guy. He's an IT nerd. Very great. He's super nice. And um, 
we we made a lot of money with the um, IT company. And if I wanted to make a lot of money, I should just continue doing the IT company. But uh, I've been working with this my whole life. And I took my pilot license on the side privately. And I started to look into buying my own plane. And since I've been driving electric car for since 2012, you don't want a combustion car. You know that the electric engine is the best engine. Uh, and then I looked into different fuel, the Yeti 100LL. I looked at the Cirrus. I looked at different kind of small general aviation planes. And, I, and then I discovered um, by aerospace at George Pye. So we started to do some business deals with him about buying a, a deposit for 18 planes for the dealership of Scandinavia. I wanted to look into the business case of doing electric aviation with general aviation for flight school, which I think is a great, smart thing. And then as that program was extending, uh, we knew that, okay, it will take more time. I was looking into other investments. I've invested in, in solar tech and EV charging and things. Then I talked also with Heart Aerospace. And I decided in the end to do a project with Thomas Brothership that you have had on your podcast earlier. Indeed, yeah. He did, yeah, and he did an electric seaplane, two-seater. And I was discussing with him and I grew up in Bergen, Sandviken, which is from my bedroom window, I could see the seaplane port. And when I was a small kid, I'm almost 50, then the, the seaplanes were delivering newspapers and, and mail on the coast, but oh. they disappeared. And uh, so I grew up seeing the seaplanes all the time, but now they're gone. I didn't know and, there were uh, seaplane operations in Norway, regular seaplane operations uh, so recently, actually, because oh, we, yeah. I mean, but even if we're talking still... about many years ago, but still, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but, but now, no, it's, it's funny because it's coming slightly back because at that same seaplane base that is, I don't know, probably a hundred years old because it was the first uh, aviation base in Bergen. They have a tourist operation flying tourists and sightseeing trips. So you, if you come to Bergen, I would recommend that you, you you go there and book a seaplane trip and you could go for half an hour or an hour and you can see the glaciers, the mountain fjords, everything and come back to Bergen. Yeah, that must be amazing. I mean, I've seen, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, I've seen this area, uh, been driving around, took the ferry as well across the fjord and it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's so uh, amazing, all those mountains uh, just by the water. And there's uh, this fjord, uh, sorry, the fjord, the glacier that you can you can get to the to the very glacier, very easy uh, to reach. I don't know if there, I don't know which state is it, it is now. Uh, I'm talking about ten years ago, but I don't know if global warming already. It's less. You should you should uh, see it before it melts. And mm. that's one of the other reasons I want to do this project because I love to travel. I love to travel. I've traveled a lot around the world, and I love to fly. And I, I've been like getting my consciousness is getting worse and worse if you sit on a plane, right? So I was thinking, how can we do this green, nice? And, and we also looked into how can we add some of the old sexiness and the, and the comfort. And by discussing with Thomas, we found out that a seaplane could be a great and interesting approach. Because I've been looking at investments into the EV toll space, the electric vertical takeoff space. And since I have a pilot license, I know that the fixed wing if you try to do calculation of energy and you're going to go from A to B, a fixed wing is the best way. If you have a rotor-based kind of vehicle, 
you need some kind of wing. So I see that the eVTOLs are growing wings. But then we were looking into why are the eVTOLs such a hot, hot, hot topic? Because they were going from city center to city center. And then we did some analysis and said that, okay, 80% of world population lives less than a thousand meter from water. So everybody in the world lives beside the water. You come from Barcelona, you sit in Barcelona, you have the water there. Yeah. And in the old, old days, you could travel from Barcelona to Mallorca with a seaplane. And if you look at the business case of eVTOLs, if there was a business case of eVTOL in Barcelona, I don't know, but then you should go some kind of a short distance to someplace up and down the coast or into the mountains, I don't know. But we saw that we could, with our seaplane, travel and open that route again. So think if you could go to downtown Barcelona, go to the harbor, not the airport, board the plane directly and fly to Mallorca. That's that's the dream we want to achieve. And how are you planning to do that? I mean, you have set up the company and where are you now with this development project? I've seen some very, very cool renderings and... Mm. I think that you have also announced a number of partnerships with different players in the industry yeah. and the ecosystem. But how far are we from from seeing yeah. the uh, the seaplane flying? The, the, the first thing we did when me and Thomas decided to do this project, and uh, he as the CTO, he, he, he said, okay, let's build a prototype. So we built a, a 20% scale prototype that we flew. And then we made it so that it was not a very, how can I say, sexy one, but it was a functional one. So we crashed it. We changed the engines. We had two engines. We had four engines. We had tractor. We had pusher. We've had different hulls mounted on it, trying different landing takeoffs, bad landing. And it's interesting because we've tried also a lot of different design. And if you look at the renderings you're referring to, they look really conventional. And that is because if you look into the hundreds and thousands of engineering hours that's gone into the planes that fly in the sky every day, which is safe, you would discover that they are approximately 98% they look the same. And that's because of physics and aerodynamics. So our plane is really a conventional plane. And we try to, to make a, a conventional plane that is a first and foremost seaplane taking off in water and being excellent in water, but also amphibious so that we can take out the wheels and land at the airport. Mm. So then we can start to do transport first from airport to water, water to water, and airport to airport. So we are basically trying to address as many business cases as possible. Yeah. One thing, though, is that when... I talk with the people in the seaplane industry. We've got quite a few here on the podcast. I always ask why seaplanes are not more widespread, considering, as you said, that the majority of the people live close to water. And that is a relatively, let's say, infrastructure-free mode of transportation. Uh, but but still, I think there, there are some issues with the uh, fares, with the way that you cannot, cannot guarantee the right water conditions. And also, uh, there, I think there, there are issues as well, particularly with salty water, with maintenance in, in, in contact with the salty water. So are those issues, I guess, still, even if the plane is electric, those issues will, will still be there. How are you planning well, to overcome those? Yeah, that's the, it's an excellent question. And it's so to the point, because we've analyzed 
You know that globally today, we have had identified that the seaplane market, it's around 450 professional seaplanes flying, uh, doing commuter range operations. But all of those planes are land-based planes almost that have been adapted to sea. And and you you take a land-based plane, you remove the wheels, you put floats on it. And to, to make a... To make a comparison that you understand how crazy that is, if I, if I put floats on your car, you wouldn't put it at sea and try to move around as a boat. And when you talk about then wave condition, corrosion, this is exactly the problem. Your car would corrode in salt water, right? And the, the interesting thing is if you have a combustion engine, you suck in oxygen to burn the fuel. That means that you also suck salt water into the engine. And all this sums up to one thing, a bad business case. And the business case kills everything every time. So why are seaplanes a niche today? It's hard to make money in aviation. Then it would be even harder to make money with a seaplane. And if you look to the Maldives, that's the only where that they have like the biggest operation. I think they have 85 seaplanes, twin otters, and they are super streamlined. And that market is 500 million US dollars or more a year, that market. But then they have a streamlined operation only doing seaplanes, right? But we think, to answer your question, that to make a plane that is pure electric, that you close off the engine system, you close off everything you can, you try to not have metal that will corrode, and you make the plane to be of composites that will be good in water, and you make it, you design it from day one to be in salt water, then you would get the maintenance cost drastically down, and then you would also be environmentally friendly. And then you suddenly have a revenue machine, because we also try to analyze that the average seaplane fly like 84 kilometers today, like at 14 nautical miles, which is nothing. And this is completely doable with electric aviation. And then if you add a fixed wing instead of an EV tool, you can take one ton of cargo. So do you want nine people and luggage? It's doable. So this is our trying to address the business case and also build a plane, if you understand. We need to completely have focus on the business case all the time because that kills the project if we are not succeeding. Mm -hmm. And this plane you're describing, I guess, is the Noemi which also stands for no emissions, and which is yep. the plane, the seaplane you're designing. Uh, tell us about this plane. Uh, what are the main features that you are planning for, for it to have? Yeah, the Noemi project, it's a no emission, and it's a um, flying boat design. So basically, it's going 100 years back in time in the old days of uh, seaplanes where they were flying boats and we put 1.5 tons approximately of battery at the at the hull so when you talk about wave condition we can take off in la and land in much higher waves than a seaplane of today and if you analyze the weather conditions in norway actually if you go in the fjords the waves are never high but we don't have a problem with the waves and we will have safe landings. Even if you have a wrong landing with our plane, it will not flip. And if you Google uh, seaplane accidents and Google pictures, you see only two 
two small bars at the sea because it's upside down in the water. Our plane will probably never flip because the water and uh, as uh, the battery at the bottom. Uh, one question. Uh, one yeah. question. The the um, the problem with the wave. Uh, you plan to sort it because of uh, the design that is more, let's say, wave friendly, or is it because of the you said the weight makes some balancing there that effect that that uh, prevents the wave? I, I, I'm not familiar with the physics of the <laughs> of, uh, if you, of the. If you look at the normal seaplane, you would imagine it's a it's a it's a, you take away the wheels, put on floats. If you have all the fuel in the wing. It's the highest point on the plane, approximately, the fuel. And then you have a heavy engine in the front, which is on the tip of the plane. And then you put some passengers inside. But if you hit that wave slightly wrong with the float, it tips over because all the point of gravity is high up. Okay. We put the gravity down on the water line in the boat. Okay. So And it's more like it's... a boat. You're more... Uh... Like a boat that can take off. <laughs> yes, it is. It is, but it's certified as a plane, and it's a plane. But the hull as a of a boat is also to displace the heaviness of the plane. It's approximately five point six tons with the with the one ton of useful load. We try to achieve um, a, a speed of a um, hundred knots, hundred and ten, twenty. 160 maybe, but that's about energy and how far you want to go. And we are working really hard of achieving a range of 200 kilometers. But that's going to be hard. But that's the the goal we're working on. And With so basically, one hour flying time and 200 kilometers. Lithium ion batteries. Uh, one of the partnerships we have announced it with EPS in the US in Utah, Logan, and they produce battery packs. And they produce battery packs that they try to get certified for aviation. And they are fireproof and crashproof and have cooling and heating and power in and out and management of the battery. The interesting part about that is to, 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 to overstate the point in a way. I would say we don't care what's inside. We have asked them for some metrics about the weight and kilowatts and the performance, and in a way, we don't want to or need to know which, if they have po poach cells or cylinder cells, if they have Panasonic's or if they have uh, cattle. In a way, as long as we buy the pack of them, we are looking into our weight and energy at pack level. Of course, it's interesting for us, and there is a lot of smart stuff going on on the battery side. So the, the most important thing to say is that we are planning the project with today's battery tech. And then we want us, the main investor, to have positive risk of batteries are improving. And we see that actually the speed of battery improvements are going up in speed. Usually yeah. it was 2% to 3% per year, but now it's it actually looks like it's going to be higher than 10% each year. And that's a lot. Yeah. So basically you are battery agnostic. You can just adapt to whatever is a state of the art in a particular time period. I can just say one thing that since we're a, we're a boat and we're heavy, we have a big hull. So this to displace the water. So that means that we have a lot of cargo space to put the batteries. So in a way, in the future, 
we will shop for the batteries where we can find it. And we have a big compartment that we can put them in. So that's, that's completely correct what you're saying. Uh, in terms of capacity, how many passengers, uh, how many of crew? Yeah, we, we, we will certify it for single pilot operation, but we make two crew. So, so we, we make it so that it can fulfill the certification requirements of today. And then we want to make a nine passenger with luggage. But we have looked at different kind of potential configurations. You can have a VIP six seater. You can have a, have a VIP eight seater. And we can have a special mission with stretchers or passenger trans patient transport to hospitals around the Norway. That's a very interesting contract you can get with the government. But to do sightseeing, when you don't have any luggage, you only have Instagram on your phone. And if you want to see the glacier in a 20-minute flight, we've made something I've called the Ryanair configuration. And then we can have 13 packs. So we're going to certify the plane as a CS23 level 4. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the end goal for type certificate. But if, if you're going to fly and see uh, sightseeing, for 20 minutes, you don't need that much space. So then you can just configure it as tight as possible within the rights of the emergency exit and the certification. And you ha- don't have any luggage because you go on a fly A to A. And it's actually quite a strong business case, the whole thing, because people will have the lowest possible ticket price to go to Norway. But when you're in Norway and there is a 500 euro to fly for 20 minutes with a seaplane, people pay it. But they yeah. float to Norway for 200 euros. And that yeah. might be a three-hour flight. But yeah. you fly for 20 minutes, then it's yeah. a different kind of budget. Then they will pay a 1,000 in the at dinner time. Actually, yeah, I would say like flying into Norway is not particularly expensive compared to the price level in the country. I mean, it's possibly <laughs> possibly one of the cheapest things you can do. I think it's true. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, you're planning to to build it with in composites. Um, what's your industrial plan? Uh, you're planning to build it in Norway. Do you have already uh, 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 some sort of industrial facility to, to build it? Uh, it's interesting. I have a meeting later today because we're looking into buying some stuff I will buy as the investor, but the company will rent. But yeah, we're, we're, we, we are planning to build the prototypes in Norway. And if this is a part to save the planet, we should be able to scale up as much as possible. So if we get a type certificate for this plane, and we show that this is a revenue machine, and we show it zero emission, and you see that you can address the city centers, then I hope it might be that somewhere in the future we will partner up with a company that can really scale produce it. I mean, if it's Textron, if it's Embraer, if the Havlian, it's 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 Boeing or Airbus or ITR. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm open because if we show that this is a way to get emission down and people flying safe and without any polluting, then we should be open to scale up the best possible way. But if nobody's interesting and this is a niche, we should produce them in Norway and, com- I mean, in other European. It's not like we will produce every part in Norway. You buy avionics, you buy the wing produced, you and you assemble. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really a combination. How many people you have now working uh, in the company? Uh, the extended team with also consultants is, uh, I think, it's more than twenty-five now. We have people with background from uh, Dornier. 
We have people with background from Hart Aerospace. We have people with background from Pilatus. So it's it's interesting team, really strong team. But uh, I want my goal is to try to have the team as small as possible the longest time. Yeah, uh, makes sense. I really would like to to have a small team. Uh, the lead. One, yeah, one thing is the burn rate, of course. And the other thing is uh, also the, the, the possibility to be agile and a bit smart, mm -hmm. prototype fast. I really want to try to achieve that. And I guess you are privately funded. I mean, you mentioned you have invested personally in, in this venture. Do you have also some VC capital or some uh, seed capital investors? The, the, the Norwegian state has given us a combination of different things of a total soft funding of 10 million US dollars-ish. And uh, the rest of the, the budget now is guaranteed by, by me. But we are in a founding round now of uh, uh, getting uh, 15 to 25 million US dollar fund, funding. So we're looking for some VCs to match us. But we are a bit lucky since I'm like the rich uncle here and the main investor and, and the driving force that we are not desperate. So we can be a bit picky and find the ones that we try to really want to work with for this is a long-term project it's 10 years mm -hmm. we, we need to partner with the people that understand that this is aviation it's going to be hard and it's going to be fun and it's going to be doable and be an investment that will pay off what's the time frame what are the next milestones uh, next milestones yeah certification and next the, 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 the like the, the end level boss in the end that is type certificate for a certified CS23 level four plane. That is like a commuter version of a, a Twin Otter or a Cessna Caravan. That, that's the end game. To get there, we need to build some prototypes. And in the program, we will build at least three, maybe more. But that is something we will learn when we build the first conceptual test vehicle. And that is the project that is in a way funded now and started and we're looking into the different kind of potential vendors and to try to achieve a critical design review to lock the design and build that prototype and that prototype we hope to fly in 26 and so from, you see we don't have much time so 26 would be for a prototype i guess then it would take maybe what a couple of years to get certification provided yeah, that everything 20, goes 20, well 2030 we hope to have okay. a type certificate. So that's seven years from now. Okay. And if you look that we've started this project in 2020-ish or something, then you see that we actually use around 10 years, which people yeah. say that if you're uh, really a genius and you have a lot of experience, you can certify a plane in eight years. Mm. But we've been working two years-ish already. So we'll end up with being, yeah, something around... Um, Smart, <laughs> I hope. So we are talking about the year 2030, approximately, for entering to service. Have you been out there talking to potential users of the of the seaplane, airlines, charter yes. operators? What's the reaction of the market? What 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 are you? What's the feedback you are getting? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, we we try to learn as much as possible, and we've done a lot of research with operators uh, there is a seaplane pilot working for us and he's been flying in alaska africa norway firefighting with seaplanes he's a brilliant guy jeremy 
And he has tried to summarize all the input from what is the issue of today's seaplanes operators and, and pilots and what do they want. So we tried to design our plane to fit into their market. And I, I had a talk with um, like Tailwind that operate in and out of New York. And they have an existing market. It's a, it's a, it is a niche. But if I were coming there selling him electric seaplanes that could do some of their mission, not all of them, he would sign up LOIs to buy some of them. And we haven't done that. And that is because we think that we do a bit like Joby, that we say, okay, we're going to produce this aircraft and operate it. We're not going to operate it alone. We're going to do it with partners. But we think that if you have a slightly different product, an electric seaplane will not fit into the same organization as one that is doing combustion engine and fuel. So we think that you should do it from a branding perspective of getting a premium price and getting a zero emission thing, but also to to that will be a slightly different kind of organization around it. So, so we want to have an AOC and work together with partners that know the local market. But this is something we've, we are still discussing and finding out what will, what will be the best business case. So we look into different kind of franchise approaches to this. And so that would be in, expand globally. That would be in, in initially, I guess, in Norway that you would uh, operate this network. Well, well, Norway is it's it's outside our door. And for the, the business case of flying tourists, you fly during the summer period, you fly when it's nice weather, and you have high revenueing people. So, and it's a very a simple operation of having one base flying in and out all the time. And this is a way to build flying hours commercially to help you certify and, and develop the scope of operation for the plane. But if we look into where you should go from the market size, it should be the Maldives. If you look at where you could go from flying rich people, it should be uh, Manhattan, right? But you, we've also looked at different places in the world and had discussions with people in Indonesia interesting the approaches from different companies in Indonesia that's want to fly around in that area. A lot of people, a lot of industry, and a lot of development going on. But then you have like the coast of Monaco, Paris, down to Barcelona. You have Seattle area. You have the Miami area. You could also do things in Dubai. I mean, the, there is a lot of places where you can see that seaplanes are operating in a niche, but will expand if there came uh, a, a seaplane that could have a better business case for the operator. So what are the next milestones that we can expect from Elfly? The next milestone we're going to achieve is we're probably going to fly um, a scale, kind of 20% scale uh, version of the plane we will build before we go into the last design review and lock the design. Uh, that, that's the next milestone. But we are also doing milestones where we're discussing with different companies for uh, suppliers. That's interesting milestones to de decide on engines and decide on, on different kind of uh, composite uh, partners. And we're also having different 
partners signing up like LOIs, like the Lofoten Islands in the north of Norway, which is a huge tourist destination and a beautiful, beautiful area of the world that signed an LOI that they want us to operate in their area. And they're going to be a research partner together with us to develop the, the seaplane so that we hit the spot of tourism, but also the, 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 that we can cover the local demand of transportation in the local area for the people living there. Yeah, And, and it's, uh, it's a so, great achievement to, to have those on board too. This uh, was announced just a few days ago, I think, in, in December yeah. 2023, which were when we are recording this. And I think you uh, published some really cool posters, like evoking the sort of Belle Epoque of, uh, was it, 1920s uh, Belle Epoque uh, travel Yeah, it's interesting because there is a poster from 1930 from one of the first aviation companies in Norway. And they were flying mail from Oslo to Gothenburg to Copenhagen. And it's interesting that with our seaplane, that's a route we can fly. And that poster from 1930 has this kind of old, very nice romantic look. So when we announced the partnership with the Lofoten Islands, I would. I wanted to have a poster that gave the same kind of romantic old look, which is kind of nice. So I, 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 we can probably share a, a, a picture of both of these posters so you can see it. And it's funny because we're trying actually to set up a web page, um, a, a shop on our web page, so people can actually order the posters. We tried to make a series of them, giving this old vibe of uh, romantic aviation with our plane, Noemi. So, yeah. so we will we put it in our Alfley webpage. Makes uh, sense. But, but it's not been uh, it's not been published yet, but uh, we have it actually uh, almost ready. Makes sense. Now, in, I can tell you, in in Barcelona, all the all the souvenir shops are selling this uh, new style of postcards that is trying to replicate those old posters from the 1920s and 1930s, because there was this exhibition. Um, there's a, like an art center where they had this exhibition recently about the uh, tourist art of the of that time, and someone must have liked it a lot. And now they are selling all those postcards all over the place. So that's definitely a good idea that you have. Then I need to show you the poster of because we... Uh, we made the poster from Barcelona. Oh, nice! We can post that's... that on the show notes. We yeah, a... uh, we must post it on the show notes so that you can see it. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and and I will I will show it to you now so you can get the the reaction of this one because it's an interesting one. Uh, let's see if I can. Uh, I will share it on the screen so you can see it, and then you can can say say what you want. It's um, okay. It's uh, it's a retro poster because there is an originally old one which has approximately the same kind of. Una hora, Palma, Barcelona. So mm -hmm. we tried to make this Aviones Noemi kind of like Spanish style of yeah. the retro poster. Uh -huh. And then we have um, a different one here. Oh, nice. So Japanese style. Yeah, more of a cartoon. But we won't release all these posters now. Uh -huh. uh, but we will release some. But we can maybe show the, the Spanish one on your... Since you're in Barcelona, it's a cool yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yes. You did the design yourself in-house? Yeah, we have a partner that helps us with design things. So we made this as retro thing. They're super nice guys. So 
Then they gave us the the thing. Oh, that's a C plan. <laughs> that's a different thing. But I don't know. All right. You, you should definitely create your merchandising collection. Yeah, uh, put sure it on it the web page. Be popular. Yeah. Very cool. Very good. So, Eric, as you know, there is at the moment, I don't know if to call it controversy, but a bit of debate about what's the best solution to decarbonize aviation. And we know batteries have limitations. Obviously, in that doesn't apply to some segments, like the one you are in, because the possibly most of the most of the trips would be well between range. But what are you? What is your view about the let's say the broader future of the electric aviation sector? Do you think it's gonna uh, make enough progress so that we're gonna see larger aircraft being electrified, or that's gonna remain more of a, a niche segment between the industry? This is a good question, and, and I think that in the really short, short term, there will be more and more sustainable aviation fuel. But let's be honest, that's like a short-term solution that isn't really cutting the CO2 emissions. It's it's a way of reducing it slightly, but not, not removing it. And if you look into electric aviation, I think that there will come small planes first, like the electric cars that start with the small cars. And now you can buy a Tesla Model X that is a huge electric car. There is electric trucks, there is lots of buses, Mm -hmm. but they didn't start with electric buses and a big electric trucks, right? So the same for aviation. It's going to be the Cessna Caravan, the kind of Twin Otter, that kind of small size first, and it will grow from there. And when you talk about the market between the short hops of these small plants and the long haul, what's there? And a lot of companies are doing hydrogen. I'm not a huge fan of hydrogen. I've been accused of being a hydrogen hater. I'm not. I'm open to hydrogen, but it has a really bad business case. And as I say, the business case kills everything every time. So I think you have to work on the business case of um, hydrogen can maybe work in the future. Will there be kind of, in ships, they try ammoniac? If you go into the like science fiction, where can you go? In Norwegian ships, now they're trying out um, um, uh, ammoniac, I think it's called in English too. Ammoniac, is that right? I think I it's think? ammonia, yeah. Uh, ammonia? Yeah. And I don't know, but but if, you, if you're really going to lift your eyes and think like, what's far into the future? I'm going to throw out a completely strange thought here, but... You know that, and this is a thing I think for shipping too, to use nuclear reactors for ships. They've used it for many years. The Russians do it for icebreakers. You have that for military ships. You have it for military submarines. And it's interesting that for for these ships, you have these small reactors that work for 20 years and you refuel them every five or 10 years. And, And you know that both the US and the Russians tried to make nuclear planes in the 50s when nobody cares and it was like that. So if you're going to really try to say what's the most crazy thing I could say is that somewhere in the future that might be a plane that you build and it has fuel for 20 years and it lands again. Maybe. I don't know. That's my craziest thought for today. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Just trying to figure out like uh, the idea of having this uh, small nuclear reactor flying overhead could be, yeah, Why not? way to think. Um yeah, so people that want to learn more about your project, I don't know if, should we say Elfly or Elfly, more like the Norwegian way? 
say it any way you want. Elfly group, we usually say in English. Elfly okay. group. Okay. Where where should people um, go to find more information about what you guys are doing? Uh, follow us on, 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 on LinkedIn. I think that is the, the best place. And we have a, a web page. Uh, it's l-fly.no, but we're going to change some of the branding of the company pretty soon. We're, we're going to do some, uh, some change on the, the name Noemi will probably be more and more used since we're a no emission company. So that's, uh, that's the future. But LinkedIn is a great place to follow us. Excellent. Well, I'm going to post a link then so that people can find it easily. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for your time today and for sharing insights about this very interesting project that you are developing. Uh, wishing you all the best and much success. Thank this. you. And uh, yeah, for everyone else, uh, go check the notes for all these posters and links and, and all of that. So thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. If you like this podcast, you can support us by giving it a great rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you get it from. And remember, you can, of course, subscribe to it. And you can also get regular updates through the Allplane website. That's A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E.tv. We have a newsletter where we cover the aviation industry every week with a special focus on innovation and sustainability. So give it a go. Thank you and goodbye.